what's up, y'all? Let's go. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Podcast. Follow me. Discover the latest social media marketing techniques from the world's leading experts. From top to bottom. This is the podcast where business professionals come together to master social media without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. With no further ado, turn it up. Here's your host, the one and only Neil Schaefer. Yo, 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 this is Neil Schaefer. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Social. I hope that intro did not catch you by surprise. You see, it's been quite a while since I've published a podcast, but it's been time well spent and I felt, you know, if you're going to get a podcast going again, re-energize, restart, refresh, renew. And that is what that intro stands for. So, Neil Schaefer here. It has been a while. You know, it's interesting. Um, you're all marketers, social media marketers, consultants, author speakers, entrepreneurs, business owners. And as part of what you do for your marketing, for your PR, whatever you want to call it, it's content, right? It's a photo on Instagram. It's a post on Facebook. It might be a blog post. It might be a YouTube video. And at all times... I think we need to shuffle where we see priority, where we see greater ROI in the content that we're producing. It's funny because I actually published about 128 podcasts, I believe. That number might be wrong by one or two up until now, but I really didn't have the promotional infrastructure in place to really expose it to all the people that I wanted to. Now, the beautiful thing about a podcast, for those of you that have never done it, is it really lives forever. And when someone signs up or subscribes to your podcast, boom, they're going to have, you know, maybe the latest five episodes, maybe the latest 10 episodes, maybe every episode. And then when you publish these podcasts as blog posts, it's further content that sort of lives on. I could have done an Instagram live, a Facebook live while I'm recording this and uh, gotten even more mileage for this podcast. It's something that I know a lot of podcasters are doing right now. Uh, I held off on that. You know, my podcast, there's a topic that I want to talk about, and I like to include the sort of off-the-cuff. You know, originally, for those of you that might know, you probably don't, but this podcast was originally going to be called Social Business Unplugged. It's that unplugged notion of being able to hear something uh, secretive. And I think that a podcast especially, it's the spoken word. You're investing more time into listening to my podcast. They're usually about 20 minutes. I don't think there's any blog post that takes 20 minutes to read unless it's one of these epic Neil Patel posts, which might uh, require that. But a 20-minute investment is a pretty long investment, even if you're driving in your car I don't know if you're listening to me while you're jogging or exercising. That's that's a really good question. But anyway, it's a long investment and I want to make sure that I give you information that is only available in this podcast. So with that said now, the topic that I want to talk about this week, and I do hope to get back to my weekly publishing schedule, we'll see how it goes, is content and specifically the freshness of content. I already hinted at that when I talked about having all these episodes published Yet, it had been a while before my last time I published, yet I still have people reaching out to me because of my podcast. And I like to believe that there are three different types of content that exist. Now, let's take a step back. Recently, because we're talking about the freshness of content, let's talk a little bit about content first. Those of you that have seen me speak 
know that I like to say content is the currency of social media. When I talk about digital media in general, above and beyond social, especially when I'm in Japan, I will say the same thing. Content is the currency of digital media.、Uh, without content, you really have no presence on the internet, right? Or on social media for that matter. You have a profile photo, you have a description, and that's it. So you need to be saying something. And if social media represents this convergence of information and communication, there's going to be information that you're going to be sharing、uh, in order to attract people to your profile. So, interesting, when I was in Japan recently、uh, at the request of one of my customers, Big Beat,、uh, their great B2B marketing agency, event management agency in Tokyo, for those of you, and they work with a lot of foreign equity brands, for those of you that might be interested in doing an event in Japan. Do let me know.、Uh, but they have an annual B2B marketing event called Big Beat Live that、uh, attracts several hundred marketers. In fact, for B2B marketing in Japan, it really is the largest event. And I was there. Last year I spoke. This year I was more of a participant and networking and writing a few blog posts about the event、uh, for Big Beat. And one of the posts, I actually focused on this concept of content marketing 2.0. So one of the speakers actually came up to me after he spoke. He is basically head of、uh, marketing for a B2B uh, uh, data uh, company, you know, IT、uh, company that specializes in big data. And he said, Neil, you know, it was your speech a year ago when you talked about employee advocacy that really influenced me to create my own program, which in my presentation I call content marketing 2.0. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing, and maybe in the blog notes I'll include a link to that because it will be in English on the Big B blog. But he started out by saying, you know, content marketing is nothing new. We've been doing this for a decade now, right? At least it seems like it. And the idea about content marketing is you're trying to bridge that gap between the content that you want to publish to promote your own products and services and the content that your prospective clients want access to. And it's that gap that's a really, really interesting gap that most、uh, big companies are still publishing self centered content instead of audience centered content. And we should all be striving to publish audience centered content. Now, when we talk about all the different social networks out there, obviously there's going to be some content which I will call engagement content. This is more of the personal content, the selfie. You could mix, for instance, a selfie on Instagram with a motivational message that is tied into your content marketing strategy. But you know, anything that goes outside of your normal realms of content that's very personal, you're having a good time on Facebook, it could be sharing a quote image or it could just be sharing a quote. I call this sort of content engagement content, and it's really important. It's like, you know, it, my kids are still off of social media. They're 13 and 11, so they're getting close, but they have friends on Instagram and daddy, you know, everyone says you're really famous at school and stuff like that. So it's actually really funny to see social media in their eyes. But they're like, daddy, how many likes did that post get? How many likes did that post that I was featured in get?、Uh, although I don't really feature my kids in posts, you might find one or two in there. But so far, like on Instagram, my best performing post. Is a sunset picture over the Pacific Ocean that had something like you know 900 likes. So I have about 15,000 followers, close to 16,000, and not bad. You know, when when you hit three percent, you're doing really well, I think. And if you can get up to four or five,、uh, even close to six percent, as I got there,、um, or even above that, that's I think really really good. So that sunset picture is not tied to my content strategy. It it is tied to my content strategy in that in order to build. A social media following、uh, and to attract people, you sometimes need to go above and beyond your own content. And even audience-centered content is still dealing with 
the problems that your prospects have that you can solve through your products and services, right? But with social media, you need to go above and beyond that. It's the selfie, it's the sunset picture, it's the picture of ramen that I have. And although there might be elements inside like, wow, you know, bowl of ramen is just the thing to fix my throat after doing a full day workshop on social selling. I could try to be clever like that, right? But it's really about engaging. And often these are visual posts, right? In which we are finding ways of engaging with our audience and we are humanizing our brand while building a greater attraction. So maybe people that are in the sunsets, maybe people that are in the ramen uh, are gonna start following me a few more for that. And maybe, you know, one of my customers is a big ramen fan. I don't know if you know Martin Jones at Cox Communications. He's head of their social media. He's a huge ramen fan. So that picture I know he's gonna engage with and it brings us closer. You never know these elements of things that you talk about as a human being that can bring you closer to either your current clients or your prospective clients. It's sort of similar for those of you that have heard me talk about LinkedIn or read one of my two LinkedIn books or hopefully my new ebook. And I'm going to make sure I put that link in the notes as well, because since our last podcast, in fact, about three weeks ago, I published a new free ebook to help you maximize your LinkedIn for business in 2018, all updated. None of this old screenshot stuff that you still see out there in a lot of blogs. In LinkedIn, I say you want to completely flesh out your profile to build all these data points to help you potentially connect with people. Even jobs you had 20, 30 years ago, nonprofit, you know, I am manager for my kid's soccer club. Boom. I put it up there. I speak foreign languages. Boom. If you have a certification, you put it up there. Any little thing that if someone's going to look at your profile, like, huh, I also manage a soccer team. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize Neil was in the soccer. And in that way, I've been able to make friends uh, and deepen relationships with some of you that might be listening to this podcast that are also very much into soccer. So those engagement type of content are really specific to social media. A lot of it is visual and they really help both humanize your brand and help you deepen relationships with those that might have a similar interest. And that's always going to come to your favor. So that's... You know, I use Instagram, I'd say 66.6%. If you were to look at my latest nine images, I'd say six of those images are going to be related to that. Now, there's also an intersection with my business in that I do a lot of business travel. So I will talk about when I'm in a business trip, what I'm doing by by snapping photos of sort of, you know, uh, uh, where I'm at. But that is engagement content and that's specific to social media. And that is a, a great type of content that on Instagram, you're going to have more of. Facebook, you're still going to have a lot. When you get to Twitter and LinkedIn, it's going to be less and less. But I tell you, on LinkedIn these days, I do see more of this type of content. And for those of you that are old school LinkedIn users, you might be taken aback. But, you know, with millennials comprising the majority of the workforce, and they're actually going to be comprising the majority of the American population in the next year or two, um, it's a natural evolution, right? Everything changes. and, And I'm totally cool with that. So it's okay to share your personal stuff on LinkedIn. You know, I don't know how often you want to do it, but it, it's definitely going to help you make that connection with a lot of people. So that's engagement content. That's actually not what I wanted to talk about. But once again, if I had prepared this in advance, I don't even know if engagement content might have made it because this is, uh, I sort of think in, in these terms. And once I get started talking about something, I have all these new fresh ideas that come into my mind, which is why podcasts are usually the way that I first write blog posts. I begin with the podcast. I begin talking unplugged. This is sort of like my rap if I were a rapper, and through that process, I uncover lots of ideas and related content. That, that's how I work. Not the same for everybody, but I'm hoping that's what makes my podcast 
uh, interesting uh, to you, although I do tend to cover a lot of different data points here. So we're done with the engagement content. Let's now look at more of the written content. This is more of like your blog post content, your video content. When we think of traditional content marketing and of helping our prospective buyers all the way through the buyer's journey, we think about a lot of document types. Like, you know, you have blog posts, you have eBooks, white papers, you might have webinars, you might have videos, you could have podcasts, all those different things. So I wanna sort of talk mainly about the blog post type of content because I think that still is one that is uh, is very successful for most businesses in content marketing. I would imagine most, if not all businesses in content marketing and all of you listening as well are probably publishing blog content. And if you're not, you should, because if you're just on Instagram and want to build up your influence, where are people going to find out more about you outside of influence? Are they just going to email you or are you going to have a, are you going to have a page that goes into further depth and therefore also allows you to get searched in Google and allows people to link to your page so that you build up more and more SEO and on and on and on. So I'll stop there. So blog content's really interesting. Now, those of you that follow me, you may or may not know, and I've really been struggling with this. I began my blog as windmillnetworking.com when I published my first book, Windmill Networking, Understanding, Leveraging, and Maximizing LinkedIn. I actually began even before Windmill Networking. It's a funny story because LinkedIn used to have these apps that they supported and they actually had a WordPress.com app and it really wasn't an app. It was just a link. But when I pressed on the link in LinkedIn for this WordPress.com app, boom, I was able to create a WordPress blog on WordPress.com through LinkedIn. So that was my very, very first blog. I think I launched it July... I think it was July 4th, 2018, because that's when I got an offer letter from my last corporate job going back. Yeah, it has been a decade and that's how long I've been involved in blogging and social media. And that's going to be an important point here that I'm going to bring up shortly. But that was when I started this blog and I was focused on LinkedIn because it was before Facebook and Twitter and all those other social networks, and at least in terms of what professionals were using. And it was sort of like expert advice for your LinkedIn questions or something like that, or expert answers to your LinkedIn questions. It was a really, really long URL. Didn't do that well as a URL, but it was really the beginning of the community that I built and the influence that I had built over a decade. It started with that. Then when I came out with my book, I came out, I wanted to come out with a brand name, a logo, something that was bigger than myself. And that's where I came out with Windmill Networking. And I moved my WordPress.com blog to windmillnetworking.com. Now, fast forward, I believe two years in 2009, I'm sorry, I published that book in 2009, 2011 or so, it might have been late 2010, I started getting inquiries for guest bloggers. Now, oh boy, I get more and more with every day, it seems, and they're not the typical guest bloggers. They're more like SEO companies or freelance writers that are really working for SEO companies or maybe have their own SEO companies that are just looking for links or they're selling links. And and you know maybe that's an entire different podcast. I should talk about that whole industry. Now, for those of you that already read my blog post on why I rebranded my digital presence, you're already going to know this whole history and I'm going to drop those uh, that link into the show notes as well. But it was really through one specific guest blogger, Amy Steffen, still remember her, blogging about social media for nonprofits. And this was the first time I accepted a guest blogger. And after that, I got more and more requests and I was publishing so much of other people's content that I thought, you know what? Windmill Networking is my personal brand. I need to create another brand, another brand for to represent this media site that it was developing into 
that would feature my content together with content from all these great bloggers and it would stand alone. And I thought that was the, the best thing to do and that would yield the most influence for that content at the time. So that's when I branched off. I believe it was 2011 and I branched off into Maximize Social Business. At the same time, two years later in 2013, the windmill networking part of my personal blog where I had my speaking and my consulting and, and all that stuff, uh, that became MaximizeYourSocial.com as I came out with that book of the same name in that year of 2013. So since then, I've had basically two sites, MaximizeYourSocial.com, MaximizeSocialBusiness.com. And really, you know, by the time you hear this podcast, I don't know if it'll be done yet, but I announced, I've announced pretty recently and I'm still reaching out to my bloggers. Obviously, MaximizeYourSocial.com became NeilSchaefer.com, and that's where the show notes for these podcasts sit. That became NeilSchaefer.com, I think, last year in 2017. So that's when I wrote this blog post about rebranding my digital presence and the whole reason why. And really, at the end of the day, especially when you think about the way that algorithms work and the way that people associate or have greater affinity with other people than with brands, uh, that... My best brand is my name, neilschafer.com. And now in 2018, I'm realizing, I believe, you know, MaximizeSocialBusiness.com has been in business for seven years now. And I still find people, I, I, you know, one of my bloggers, I think it was Holly Chessman said, Neil, I was talking to someone when I mentioned that uh, in the future, I'm going to make a move on MaximizeSocialBusiness.com. And she said, you know, I mentioned to someone that, you know, I blog on MaximizeSocialBusiness.com and they're like, what's that? And then when I say, well, it's Neil Schaefer's blog, they go, oh, I know Neil Schaefer. And that's, that's pretty much, you know, the way it is. So I am going to be moving all of that content from MaximizeSocialBusiness.com and it's all going to become one singular NeilSchaefer.com presence. And I think that this has the chance to yield the most influence. And I also think because of that, it has the best chance for my bloggers to get their content exposed to more and more people. So that's going to happen. It's been in the process. I'm currently working on the SEO of the, the Maximize Social Business side and sort of cleaning up a lot of internal errors and stuff like that. And then I'm going to make the move. But this brings up an interesting point because now I'm going into MaximizeSocialBusiness.com and as I try to, I'm just working on internal issues, right? And I'm looking at content, some of it going back to 2008 to that original WordPress.com blog that I had. And I'm realizing, and nobody likes to delete content, right? As a blogger, you know how much time goes into crafting that blog post. But as time goes on, and it's going to happen to you and your business as well, because with advances in technology, in AI, in you know whatever industry you're in, technology changes it over time. So I'm finding that I still have blog posts about Foursquare, right? Foursquare is long gone. And by keeping those blog posts on my site, I'm telling Google that my site, it, you know, Maximize Social Business, still has content about Foursquare. It's like I, I'm, I am devaluing my site. I'm telling Google that I am old. I am not up with the current trends because no one is doing searches for Foursquare. And at the end of the day, one of the things I'm doing, because I, I try to strive for this data-driven approach, you know, if I have a blog post up for 10 years or nine years or five years or even one or two years, and it just gets very, very little traffic from Google search, something is telling me that number one, you know, nobody linked to that content because number two, the content just was not of the value for whatever reason. And number three, the topic of that content might not be timely either. And therefore people just are not searching for it in Google. So that's been a, one thing I've looked at that I'm using to delete 
old content. A lot of it is my own content. Some of it comes from some of my bloggers and I do obviously forward that content to the bloggers, other blog posts that are relevant or newer on the same topic so that we do the best or I do my best to make sure that they continue to get as much traffic to their content as possible. But, you know, recently clout was closed down. How many people are going to be searching for information on clout now? Nobody, right? I still had, because I blogged a lot about LinkedIn, I had posts about LinkedIn today, LinkedIn Signal, LinkedIn Answers, right? Some of you don't even know that those existed, but these were just like that LinkedIn app functionality I was talking about. These things are, have not existed for a few years. So by you know continuing to have that content on my website, it is devaluing the website. It's also competing with all my other content. I want to expose people to the newest and greatest content on LinkedIn, not this old stuff that's irrelevant. And then you know what? If someone was to find that irrelevant content, they're going to go, they're going to see it's way old, it doesn't exist, and then boom, they're going to leave. So you're going to get a high bounce rate. Google's going to see that you spend very, very little time on that article, maybe you know five or 10 seconds, and it's going to devalue your domain authority. So this is what I've realized over time that... There is a lot of different types of content. Now, I still get content from 10 years ago that gets tons of hits, primarily from Google search, but it's still relevant to a lot of people, especially because I look at the bounce rate, I look at the average time on site, it's still doing very, very well. That, my friends, is really evergreen content. If engagement content is fleeting, as it should be, because the life of a post in social media is very short, I will say, though, with hashtags on Instagram, and Pinterest, these are areas where the content lives a little bit longer. In fact, on Pinterest, it can live for a few years. On Instagram, it could it could live for several months, if not several years. I still find people engaging with content because they, they're looking for posts that have to deal with a certain hashtag. And especially if there's a genre or a hashtag where there's not a lot of hashtags published on that subject, uh, they might engage with it, right? So sometimes even on Instagram, an engagement post can have a long life term. But Normally, it's very, very short. Now, your blog posts, especially your evergreen blog posts, these should last forever. These should be things where if you tweet it out, you shouldn't be embarrassed and you shouldn't get a comment from someone coming to your blog post from Twitter and saying, dude, that's old news because it's evergreen. And that really is the golden uh, way of measuring. If someone was to read it today, they're going to stay on the page. They're not going to say, dude, this is totally outdated, right? And that's really the type of content that is ideal. I try to make all of my podcasts evergreen and I do try to make all of my blog posts evergreen whenever possible because I don't like to delete posts, right? But no matter how much you try to make it evergreen, like those LinkedIn posts, like the clout posts or the Foursquare posts, it changes. So something can never be evergreen. In fact, I would argue that even for blog content or for your YouTube videos, there's always sort of an expiration date. Sometimes it's longer than others, but the day may come when you need to delete that content. And that's something that you need to consider. For those of you that started blogging a few years ago, you may want to go back in and start deleting content because even if you thought it was evergreen, it no longer is evergreen. Now, we have other types of content. We have news content. I decided very early on with Maximize Social Business, I was not going to try to compete with a Mashable with all these other sites out there that publish news. Once I beat Mashable when LinkedIn announced LinkedIn Signal, I beat Mashable by like an hour, right? Um, it's like, I did it, I did it. I caught the news and I got it out there earlier than everyone else. But guess what? You're never going to be able to compete with the big boys uh, because they just have, they already have greater domain authority in search engines. They already have a larger following than you do. 
there, there really is little value in trying to publish news that everybody is going to read somewhere else anyways. Now, if you want to analyze that news and make it an evergreen post, and I've done that with some news, that's one thing. But if you're just publishing the news, I don't see much long-term value for that. Now, where does the news have value? On Twitter, it has value because that's where people go looking for the news. It has value on LinkedIn as well. It definitely has value in email newsletters where you always want to be talking about the latest news. So there's value for that. But in terms of your own blog content, I would be very, very careful. And if you were going to do it, another thing I wanted to talk about as I do the audit, and by the way, I'm using SEMrush for my SEO audit tool. We'll, we'll put a link in the notes as well. And it, it is the best audit tool out there that I found. And they have this thing called the site audit, which I'm using religiously to help better the SEO, uh, starting with the internal workings of my site. But, you know, SEMrush, it, it, as well as other tools, there is a, uh, a WordPress plugin that is free called the Broken Link Checker. And through the combination of those two things, I'm finding, wow, I have a ton of 404 errors. What's interesting is that those 404 errors, a 404 error meaning that someone deleted content from their site, they come from a lot of trusted sites, right? Yahoo.com, Forrester.com, Forbes.com, a lot of blogs as well. They're not putting up what we call a 301 redirect either because what are you going to redirect it to if it's irrelevant news now? And that's what happens with the news type of content. It becomes irrelevant, which is why probably, you know, Yahoo News or whatever, you know, they probably go through the content after three to six months, they might delete it out because it's no longer news. And that's why even a blog post, no matter what type of blog post, no matter what type of company, it has an expiration date. Nothing in this world, unfortunately, is going to last forever. And your blog content shouldn't last forever as well. And I want you to remember that. I think, and you know, Neil Patel talks about this and I should throw a link to his post in the show notes as well, that he regularly, like how many blog posts is too much? He regularly updates his posts to make sure that they are still evergreen and, and resourceful today, right? So the evergreen resourceful content on the one hand, the engagement content and the news content on the other hand, in the middle, you're going to have a lot of different type of resourceful content, right? which may not be evergreen. There's a lot of these, here's the things you need to do in 2017. Here's how you capitalize on Facebook ads for the holiday season. Here's how you do a spring cleaning for your social media accounts. These are things, you know, whenever you mention a year in your post, for that year, it's going to be really great. But the next year, if you're not going out and deleting that year, right, people are going to come to a post in 2018 that says back in, you know, back in 2013, or this is a report from Forrester, you know, their 2013 trust barometer report, immediately someone's going to say, this is old content. They're going to tune out. People do not have, uh, there's just so much content out there. They're not going to take the extra mile and try to read through. They're immediately going to think it's old and irrelevant content. And this goes into the snippets you see on Google as well. When they see, you know, when you see an old date, you're probably going to go to the newest date, right? And, and that's the way it is. So these are things to consider and that resourceful content is going to be a lot of content because it's hard to make everything evergreen. There's going to be in between things or there's going to be, you know, you're coming out with a new product or a service. You don't know if it's going to be there a year from now. You're sort of test marketing, uh, but you still have this great resourceful content. This is another type of, I would call resourceful yet not evergreen content. But regardless if it's evergreen content, if it's this sort of in the middle, what I would call resourceful content, or if it's the sort of news type of content or news analysis type of content, these are going to be, I believe, the three primary types of content. And either way, you need to be careful to do audits 
and really understand the freshness of that content on a regular basis, either be revising, deleting, and letting it go to 404 if there's nothing to replace it like my Foursquare posts, or do a 301 redirect to something more relevant. And that is really the message I want to get across to you today. It's me now going back into my Maximize Your Social podcast and realizing, wow, out of the 128 podcasts, only 50 or 60 might have lasting value. So why even do show notes for past podcasts that I never did them for that are irrelevant today, like something that I might have done on Foursquare? Uh, this is something that it may live on in iTunes uh, as one of my older podcasts, and I expect that people are going to fast forward over it. But there's no reason that I need to include a dedicated post on my blog to that show. I will simply skip it over. So that's content. Content has an expiration date. I went over these main types of content. I think you need all of them, a combination of them, and each one fits a different need. But hopefully you got something, you got a takeaway. I just hope with every podcast, if you get one takeaway, I've done my job and you'll keep listening. And by the way, well, since you heard the intro, my new intro for the first time, you get to hear my new outro. I am going to try to do, and when I began this podcast, it was Social Business Unplugged. It was me with a mic in a room, sometimes in weird places or in different countries or cities, in interesting scenarios, just giving you the word on different social media and marketing and business related topics. I'm going to keep doing that, but you know, there's a lot of other really smart people out there that I want to help expose. So you're going to hear... Over time, a few more interviews than I used to do. This podcast will primarily be my spoken voice, but I hope that when you do hear those interviews, that you'll welcome them as a awesome uh, augment or addition to this podcast. So here's my new outro for the first time. I hope you enjoy it. And I know a lot of you listen. It's really, well, I'm not going to say embarrassing, but you know, I've been doing this podcast for a while and I still haven't gotten enough reviews to really get it exposed to more people. So if you like this podcast, the ROI for me is number one, knowing that I helped you, but it's also seeing more and more of those ratings and reviews. If it doesn't deserve five star, don't give it five star, but I'd really appreciate a rating review on iTunes. It means the world to me and I'm going to be back at you. I'm committed to this venture. I'm not going away. I'm in the midst of uh, publishing a new book, The Business of Influence. I'm going to throw a note to where you can pre-order that book. I'm really excited. I think influencer marketing is the next revolution of social media marketing, of marketing in general. So be on the lookout for that. And as I like to say in ending this podcast, wherever you are in the world, make it a great social day. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Maximize Your Social Podcast. Major key alert. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes so others can enjoy it too. Give us some of that. To continue the conversation and empower your business through social media, visit neilshafer.com. Right now. Have a great week. Let's go. And we'll see you on the next episode.